Yes! It's that time! No, that's right. Yes, if you are tuned in, then you have made the conscious decision to become undeniable in your pursuit of personal, professional, and spiritual excellence. Now, I hope you are pursuing excellence, but if you are not making an impact with your life, then you have come to the right place today. Welcome to this disruptive episode of Become Undeniable. I am your new favorite host, Brad Austin. Killing it on the mic and as always, keeping it real no matter whose feelings it hurts while providing undeniable value to you every step of the way. So you're in your basement, maybe a garage, or if you're like me, when great ideas come to mind, you're in the shower. I don't know what the heck is up with that. You're always in the shower when stuff comes, but you come up with this great idea and you decide to start a business. All right. You get into the planning of things and you come to the conclusion that you need money. We all need money. Then you quickly realize that you don't have any. <laughs> you don't have any like most people. So you get resourceful and you find a way to start no matter how small, right? With the hope that you'll be able to grow enough to be able to reinvest the profits in the business. That cycle continues. And that essentially for most people is your initial growth strategy, right? Then the day comes where you realize that you actually do need real capital. Forget going to the bank. They don't like to lend to startups. It's too risky, too risky. You've already tapped whatever you could get from family and friends. And now you've gotten to the place where your back's against the wall and you need real investment. You need a real infusion. Or do you? <laughs> My special guest today is here to tell you that you do not giving hope to entrepreneurs everywhere. His name is Chris Joyce, and he is the CEO of Gusher. My man, Chris, how are you, sir? Brad, I am absolutely freaking perfect, especially after hearing that intro music. I've got adrenaline now. Yes. So I am up. Yes. Are you hype, brother? Are you I'm ready? Definitely. Dude, I've got the <laughs> goosebumps going on, man. Woo! And it is on video. People can see it. <laughs> oh, man. Let's get into this, bro, because I, I, I'm doing my absolute best to not skip four questions deep into the, into the, into the program <laughs> here. I want to lay some foundation here, man. So, uh, man, people, I don't know if people know this about you, but you have started, what, 24 businesses? Is that it's number more correct? Than that, but I just say 24 now because, well, it gets just kind of insane. Why not it's 25? Like that's a nice, that's a nice. It's different than 25. Exactly. It makes you think like, huh, 24. <laughs> that's a great psyche there. So you've started 24 companies. Man, I have to ask. So what are, what are the top skills? You've seen a lot, clearly. So what are the top skills in today that today's entrepreneur must have? I don't even know if it's a skill per se, but I, 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 and I don't minimize this. I mean, I, I really, and I'm not trying to hype up like the hustle culture or something like that, but the ability to delay, uh, 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 delay uh, your performance, delay um, what comes in, delay gratification. That's what I was yeah. thinking of. Yes. That is really 
the fundamental thing, the ability to delay gratification, because anything that you do is going to take three times as long, is going to take three times as much effort, is going to take three times as many days and sleepless nights as you think it is. And that that's a hard road. It's a hard road. It's good if you're ignorant when you start a business. Man, three times as long. How about like 10 times as long in my case, man? Yeah. I'm doing... <laughs> Yeah, but that's, you know. that's not that's not uncommon, Brad. It's not. I mean, it's really not. I mean, we we have uh, found, and we'll, we'll go into that stuff later. But you know, people go ahead and say, "Well, you know, I've been doing this X amount of time, or I've been doing it Y amount of time." You know, how do you go ahead and determine when to quit? Well, you know, you don't quit ever. I mean, you right. may iterate, you may change, you may do different things to get different results, but you know, you don't quit uh, because different paths just take different amount of times. I mean, your birth story for your company is different than somebody else's. I mean, lots of things take very long time to go ahead and get traction and other things that do get traction right away. Yeah, some of them are successful, but the vast majority of them flame out. I mean, it usually goes uh, hand in hand, you know, with time invested. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would venture to say that if you, I talked about this on one of my early, early shows that yeah. one of my sucky shows <laughs> that if, if you, um, if you are not ready for that long haul, if you are not ready and willing to establish grit, if you have none before you start this process, this is not for you. It is not yeah. for you. You are you, three times as long, five times as long, whatever it depends on the story, yeah, yeah. but absolutely, man. And so when entrepreneurs fail, and I'm sure you've seen your 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 set of failures as we all have, but of course, what is what's that usually attributed to? What can is is there a common theme that you see in people that that fail or quit or what have you? I, I usually I, I think that that the reason that most people quit it has to do with rigidity. Uh, usually, they're not willing to do what's required. Uh, most times people think they're there. It's a function of working long hours. It's a function of doing something that's hard. That's not what it is. Yes, those things are par for the course, but those, those are just kind of like checklists. It's something you do as an entrepreneur. It's getting out of your comfort zone. Uh, the yes. ability to try things. And you said this earlier. I actually wrote it down. I actually, you just said it uh, like and you just implied something. You said your sucky shows, which implied that you had a period in the beginning when your shows literally sucked. And, you, you know, a person has a hard time going ahead, especially as they age, as they get older going ahead and trying stuff that they initially suck at for a period of time. Well, that's getting out of your comfort zone. That's where something you're really uncomfortable doing something. You're, you're, you're uncomfortable putting yourself out there in certain ways, and that's required, uh, especially from a founder. Getting out of your comfort zone is part for the course you have to do it almost every day. Absolutely, 100%. If you, if you enjoy comfort, this is not for you. No. If you enjoy... You know, if you want to be able to just veg out, this is not for you, right? You, you, I say this all the time, Chris, and I think I may have said this to you. I, I yeah. forgive me for being repetitive, but man, if you are someone who does not like to think, this is not for you, <laughs> right? No doubt. I mean, but that you're, you're describing, hey, go ahead and get a job. Hey, go ahead and, and do something else. And, and that may be good for the vast majority of people, but th- there's a certain type of person, and I'm not even going to say entrepreneur. There's a certain type of person where problems that they have, they can't let go of. And mm. so, you know, th- they search for solutions. It bugs them. 
And those are the people that really are, are, are pretty good at, at founding companies because they don't care what the hell it takes. And they don't think in terms of that, really. They don't right. think like, you know, oh, I have to get out of my comfort zone. They just do it. It's like for them, it's like, okay, well, I've got to do this. Eh, you know, it's not something I want to do, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because, right. you know, if it's calling somebody up and they haven't done it before, they make the calls. I, I remember for one of my first companies, you know, I had to travel to upstate Pennsylvania and call on this woman uh, that, that was like notoriously this grocery buyer, uh, the roughest sale in the United States. And, you know, <laughs> I just got, went up there. I didn't want to do this. Okay. My product looked like crap. It tasted like crap. The packaging was crap. And I just talked to her. Uh, and I talked to her and, and literally we were able to get into that store and that started a whole slew and a whole growth and everything else. So, you know, you take those risks, you, you do it. It's part for part literally of everything that you do. It's core. It's central. Right. Sir, and, and debrief yourself, right? Whenever yeah. something doesn't go right, debrief yourself and say, what can I take away from that? What can I improve for next time? All that good stuff, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You're right, man. That's, and that's something that, um, that I've noticed is that people like you and I, man, we are, we are absolutely relentless in the pursuit of solution. We are absolutely. relentless in the pursuit of providing value to others by way of our solutions. And, and we will not be deterred. And that's that you have to get to that mindset. If you, if you don't have it and you know, you don't have it and you you know yourself better than anybody else. So if you don't have it, freaking get it before yep. you start and go into this venture. Talk to somebody like Chris. He'll hype you up quick. I bet you charmed the pants off of that woman in Northern Pennsylvania, didn't you? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I did whatever the hell it took. I mean, I, I, set, I kept throwing out things left and right, trying to make a human connection because, you know, desperation, uh, you know, they always talk about, you know, uh, you know, what is the, 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 the greatest thing of invention is that it's your need. It's your need goes ahead and creates invention. But I think it's desperation. I'm more, mm. I think the more desperate are, the more you creative uh, you get, the more inventive you get. And that's really where many times you have to go. And your performance really changes when you get desperate. I mean, if I held, uh, put a bag over your head, well, guess what? You know, you would pay anything for that breath of fresh air, you know. But if I slowly just close the door and go ahead and keep you there and isolate you there, well, you know, your breath of fresh air doesn't really give much meaning to you. It's, it's putting that bag over your head. And many times you have to do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm serious. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do if you're listening, do not go put yeah, a bag. Don't, do <laughs> don't put Disclaimer. a bag on your head. You don't mean that literally. That's right. It's not a little thing. <laughs> oh man. So what would you say, Chris, is what would you say to someone who's like, okay, I got this idea. I'm thinking about starting a business, but you know, I don't have the right expertise. I don't have the right background. I don't have any of that stuff to start a business. I don't have those skills that you just mentioned. What, sure. or, or that, what would you say to someone like that? I'd say if you really feel passionate about it, if it's a type of thing that you go to sleep at night thinking about it, okay? If you wake up in the morning thinking about it, if you're sitting on the crapper, excuse my French, uh, <laughs> thinking about it, if you're talking with somebody else and you're kind of still thinking about that idea, if the idea just doesn't go away, then it's something that you have to to pursue. It's not a function of skills. Uh, what I equate it to is almost in a way a fight for your soul. Uh, and I mean that S-O-U-L. It's mm. something where that voice inside you is telling you 
to do it. And the people that push that down uh, year after year, decade after decade, are the types that are on their deathbed saying, I should have mm. done this. I should have blah, blah, blah. And I just experienced that recently with my birth father. He went through that exact same thing. And so if you want that for your ending and defining your life, then go ahead and put that damn uh, voice out. But if not, if that's the type of thing where, where you are thinking of it and you can't let go of it, you can't deny that that is part of really who you are, uh, then you go down that road. You don't have to have the skills. The fact of the matter is the universe would not make sense at all if you didn't have the skills, all the skills that you need right now to start. That doesn't mean that you're an expert at whatever it is. That doesn't mean that you have perfection to be able to create it solo. What it means is that you have a voice. What it means is that you can use that voice. You can use those skills to reach out to everywhere, every people, anywhere, everywhere, uh, to be able to help you build it. You know, I don't sit there creating these companies. I don't sit there ideating and formulating and programming and, and doing the material science and all these other things. What I do is I have an idea. I then bring talented people that are a hell of a lot smarter than me into that idea. And so how do I do that? I talk. I ask for help. Our, you know, the people who found companies, uh, at least for our system, that have something in common with the successful ones, the entrepreneurs, the founders that work, they don't, they don't pretend that they know something. They don't fake it till they make it. If That's they right. don't know something, they just say they don't know it. If they need help, and this is the key, if they need help, they ask for help. People want to help. People want to see things get started. People want to see improvement. That's the commonality. You're not supposed to be an expert. You're just supposed to have a problem. Yeah, people want to help more so than ever before than I've ever actually seen in my lifetime. And I, I don't know what to attribute that, that to. You might be able to help me with that. But um, as I say to other people, man, I I am a proud non-expert on everything. Yep. 100%. Um, well, it's also one of those things where, and, and, and not going down this road too much, but really what you seek, you find. And, mm. and that's so true. I mean, I can go into all these different examples of it and stories and, and left and right throughout my life when that's happened. But it's really fundamentally true that when you just start searching, whatever it may be, lo and behold, the universe, the, the God, whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, opens up those doors and makes it brutally right in front of you. It sounds crazy, but it does happen that way. Right. Unless, of course, you don't pursue. If yep. you don't get off your ass and pursue, it's death. guess and what? It's death. <laughs> Guaranteed non-happenings. It's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> right? So, all right. So, Chris, what I mean, let's say somebody has an idea. They're going for it. They said, okay, I'm not going to be the couch potato. I'm going to get yeah. up. I'm going to get started. I'm going to get moving. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do apply the things that Chris has said today. Yeah, sure. And so, I mean, what do you what do you say to someone who says, okay, well, you know, I've done some research and um, they start to get deterred by the fact that there's a few competitors out there that are doing essentially the same thing or the same thing. What's sure. your advice to that person? I'd ignore it. Uh, and let me explain to you why. All right. So to me, competition's a damn good thing. What it means is that there's an existing market set. What it means is that if you just even create the same product or even a sub product, if you brought a little bit of a different DNA to that market, that's a point of differentiation. I was having a discussion with uh, another friend of mine last night. Uh, he was having an experience with a, um, uh, an appliance company. Uh, 
And this appliance company, he bought a very expensive refrigerator uh, system because he just built out his basement. And it comes and it's, it's all these dents and everything else. But the people put it in there and put food in it. And so all of a sudden, you know, he couldn't return it. He did eventually get it. Uh, this morning he told me he was able to get a new one. But my point being is that he had this really bad experience with just a refrigerator delivery. And my point being is you can take something very, very common, a common business. And if you just bring good customer service to it, if you just bring good communication, if you just bring fast response, which none of these things are new, you can at least get an inroad. You can at least get a toehold. I mean, there's a reason that there's four gas stations on a corner. It's yep. because that flow support it. And the same thing with competition. Competition can support it. <clears throat> Absolutely. Competition is a good thing. 100%. I, and I, again, you, because of what you said, you're sidetracking me a little bit. So I'm going to blame you. But but I have to ask, what is what your, just your opinion, your thoughts on, sure. on customer service itself? All right. What? Man, I just we, we live in an age where nobody wants to talk to anybody yep. anymore. Um, I I see our the time we live in as ripe for some for for customer service to be elevated. Oh yeah, across the board, and it's, it's and been forgotten. Like, it's been laid to the waste. Totally right, hundred percent. So what? So what are you? What are the? What are more of the problems that you see other than what I just said? And what is? What are easy ways to take your company one step or two steps above everywhere, everyone else? Customer service, I think, is viewed almost in a way like IT is to technical companies, meaning that IT are the, are the nuts and bolts. Nobody wants to deal with it. Nobody's involved with it. It's, you know, how do you make customer service better and all this? But Honestly, I think it's a, it can be a massive point of differentiation with a company. It can be a huge difference when it comes to valuation of a company. I mean, think of any really good company that you really like and visit often, you know? What, what is the main differentiator? Yes, it may be the product. It may just be something that's removed. But if it's something like a restaurant, man, you're not going to sit through shitty customer service if your plate of food is even spectacular. You're just not necessarily going to do it. You may stand in line and wait a while to go ahead and get it, but it's the people interaction. And, you know, as to the specifics of it, I don't know really how to go ahead and tell somebody how to build that into their system, but I, I'm religious. And I think you know this. I'm, I'm not religious, but I'm religious in my way of people interaction. So I'm the type of person, I'm the type of founder that, man, I interact with my founders 20 days a week, not 20 hours a day, seven days a week. I go nonstop because we're, we're all across the globe. I fundamentally believe in replying back within an hour uh, to almost anything. Uh, it's just what I was trained to do from a very young age. It's what's always worked and it's part of my DNA. And I think that that DNA, you want to try to make as much as possible with your company because that goodwill that you create, that generates additional sales. That's the stuff that generates word of mouth. That's the stuff that even if your product is a little bit subpar, that it generates the forgiveness and the stickiness of your product that other companies are just willing to go ahead and leave because it's transactional. Uh, you can't treat customer service uh, just as an afterthought. I think you should treat it as primary. Oh, I agree 100. percent And and one of the things, or, or you know, two things, baseline, borderline to help you. Mr. Business Owner out there who who is trying to figure out how to elevate your customer service, really and truly, all you have to do is put yourself in their shoes and then determine what's going to make it easier, easier. It just surprises me, Chris, how many companies have not embraced like 
UI UX design and, oh, and really. <laughs> It's amazing. Well, think of it this way, okay? Uh, there was a poll taken of I don't know how many companies, and they asked, you know, what what is a point of differentiation between you and other companies in your vertical? And something like 70 to 80% of it, I forget the number, but it was like 70 to 80% of them said they had no unique point of differentiation, no unique sales differentiation. And I sat there going, hmm. These people are so stupid that they don't even realize that their own DNA is a point of differentiation. Now, that ties back to competition a little bit, what we were saying. But really, that DNA of you, you have the ability to set that standard for your company. Your DNA, and that's why you have all these companies uh, that always have this great big founder that's you know on the front pages and everything else, because they went ahead and imposed, they, they set their own DNA as a standard for that company. They operate at a different level, and they expect their people to operate at a different level. That's what builds brands initially in many ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So shifting gears a little bit here, man, I, I have become, you know, everybody... Uh, as entrepreneurs, we we, uh, we we get into this whole ecosystem of trying to figure it all out. And um, it's drilled into us, man, where you, you your goal is getting funding. <laughs> you know, right? That's yeah. the only goal that matters, right? Yeah. You get to this place, you get to this place, you make yourself nice and shiny and pretty for these investors when you kiss their ass and everything else. It, it's just to get funding. To have a 90% but, failure rate. Yep. But oh keep my going. gosh. Keep going. Right. No value on anything except the dollar, blah, blah, blah. So, but I've, I've actually come to appreciate bootstrapping. I really have. I, I've, and I think it'll become, I'll become even more appreciative of it later on when the company is successful and I don't have to answer to anybody. Yep. I don't have to anybody that's going to tell me, Brad, hey, you know what? This nonprofit thing and giving them all this money. Yeah. We, we don't want you to do that anymore. Huh? Right. You just ripped the heart out of my freaking company, man. Yeah. You know? And it's like, that's not going to happen. So let's talk about the issues in the industry. And, and we only, I, I want to value your time. We don't have a three yeah, hour show yeah, here. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> so, I mean, Right. So I, I know what I've personally experienced in my pursuit to raise capital. I think I told you about this before. I tried for last year for however many months. Yep. Um, and one, one in 700 chance if you're in the VC ecosystem, about a one in 5,000 chance if you're not. I was about to say, is that good? It's that good? Would you play a <laughs> game was of worse. basketball if you had a one in 5,000 chance of winning it? No. Man, it's insane. It's insane. So throw it out there, man. What what, are, what do you see that's wrong in the VC uh, fundraising ecosystem? And, and take uh, your time, bro. Listen, I, I'm brutal on VC. I comment it out all the time. The Let's VC do it. is an ass-backwards ass system. Uh, so meaning that, uh, most of the times, most of the VC deals, uh, don't require a, or don't require market validation in the right way of an idea. Okay. The, what we do is we drive our market thesis from the following. Okay. If you're able to attract a person, one person into your company for performance-based equity, go ahead and get a person to believe in it, to go ahead and work with your company, uh, in exchange for equity. Well, they're not going to go ahead and sit there and, and they'll join your company, I should say, uh, for a salary or something like that. No problem. But who the hell is going to go ahead and, and join your company for equity? 
All right. The answer is nobody unless it fundamental believe it. And that's our thesis is that those types of bootstrap companies have a higher validation, will have a higher success rate in the long run than, let's say, something like a VC funded company. Most VC funded companies operate under wrong assumptions because they were created from the very beginning fundamentally wrong. They were typically technical solutions for products without taking what we were talking about earlier. That customer, uh, that what they're experiencing fundamentally, their problems, their issues, their pain points, and eliminating those. They're creating technical solutions to either problems that don't exist or technical solutions in a way that people don't process it, don't work, don't, don't flow right. I mean, it, that's really what it is for most mm. of those companies. Yes. Or they're Me Too companies. They're just creating another version of the exact same thing that's been done before and marketing it the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah. No, you just you just nail on hit the hammer, nail on the head. I can't even talk, man, because you hit me so so hard with that point. <laughs> I just experienced it a second ago where my wife was trying to do something with a piece of tech or whatever, and, and I was trying it was like condensing file size, whatever. Yeah. I mean, because Gmail, all these big email carriers, they only give you 25 megabytes of space to send a freaking file. What's up with that, man? I don't... It's still, I mean, that's from 10 years ago. I, I mean, mean, do they... They don't have any more servers? What's... I don't understand. So, and and she was just trying and trying and trying and then tried to figure out this other tool. And it, it just... they People will give up so quickly if it is not easy and user intuitive. That's what UI means to me. User intuitive, not user... Oh, yes. Right? So, so all the reasons you just talked about, man, is is... Is that why you decided to start Gusher or was, or was there more to it? Uh, there was more to it. I mean, I, I grew up with my mom uh, that, you know, not going too far back, but here's a woman in the 80s that she was working a low level, you know, government job. She had brilliant ideas. We were living in Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, Fairborn, Ohio at the time. And, you know, she had no way to get them off the ground. And, and she mm. had ideas, you know, before their time. And she it took her a very long time to make it. And she didn't make it until her 50s, her late 50s. And then she finally made it. So, you know, that was one of the things that stuck with me really from an early age. But also th there was a meeting on the East Coast I went to uh, a couple of years ago. And there was this group of entrepreneurs. It was in Washington, D.C., that they didn't look like everyone else. They didn't talk like everyone else. They didn't sound like everyone else. They weren't wearing hoodies. They didn't live in Silicon Valley or attend Stanford. Uh, they didn't live in Israel or New York. And between them and Sam Fran, that accounts for 95% of the dollars. But their ideas were, were brilliant. And they, they didn't realize that they had no ability to penetrate the venture capital ecosystem or the angel investor networks being really what they were. And I thought that that was just bullshit. And so, you know, I went ahead and put together a system that could go ahead and really help people that weren't being helped by the other systems, which is 99.999% of the people out there. It's not for the venture capital ecosystem. It's for the, the average person that has an idea and doesn't have connections, doesn't have wealthy right. friends and family. You know, right. how many people do? N not many. Not, not many. many at all. Not many at all. Absolutely. And so I have been, honestly, man, I have been, I've been waiting for a platform like yours. I have been I feel I feel so blessed to have found you, and um, I really think we've talked about this before. I, I think this has such potential to really get the VC industry like quaking a little bit, right? I mean, if people well, we, decide they don't need not. them, we, 
Well, like like VC, we we're not we don't like no. way VCs don't care. All right, right. hear me out on this. Ninety nine percent of VC firms, maybe not ninety nine, but the entire industry, other than if you take out the top one percent, all right, has a negative ROI, a negative return of investment, right, of one percent to two percent. So wow. what they're really doing is they're they accumulate funds. They write out the fund for five, 10 years. They got their salary, their carry, everything else. Maybe they make money. Maybe they don't. But they're not really there to create businesses. I mean, it, it's the entrepreneur that's taking the risk and bootstrapping that's going to create the real businesses. It just is. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about those entrepreneurs, man. Sure. So why? Why? Again, because, again, one of the things that, that I've learned in my stretch with focus loop is that um the 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 comp my quote unquote competition i is are are really big tech companies that everybody knows Perfect. um and really and truly um the reason i see such an opening for what we're doing is because literally everybody everybody is playing in their sandbox right all right everyone um which translates to the fact that these guys have no incentive to change. Right. They have no incentive to provide a better product to the businesses that are, that are struggling on the content creation hamster wheel. No yeah. one is, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so there's, I'm saying that to say that there is still an ingrained mentality that you, if you're in the startup world, you have to go get funding, right? Yeah. And, and it's still ingrained, whether we like it or not. I'm hoping that you will change that and I will do everything I can to help you change that. Sure. But, why should entrepreneurs use Gusher to build a team, okay? Sure. Rather than to raise capital to be able to purchase the team. Sure. Th th this is what I say on a couple fronts. First of all, let's cover what Gusher is, all right? Gusher yes. is a platform to launch companies without the need for capital, without the need for funding. So what happens is people apply to join companies in exchange for performance-based equity, okay? So what ends up happening, and I tell founders, is this. Whatever you can do with a million or $2 million sitting in that bank account, literally right this second, you can gusher. Now, it takes a little while for founders to believe that, to see it actually happen, but that's literally what you can do. With about a million, $2 million in the bank account, whatever you can do with that, you don't need. You just need to know the process. You need to know how to do it, what to say, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, and creation of companies, I would tell people that you don't need anything until about the $10 million in sales volume level. At that stage, really about 10 million in sales is where you're going to go one of two routes. You're going to either become a standardized middle market company, or if you're now going to go ahead and try to do a land grab, try to go ahead and take something out there phenomenally in a much bigger way, then you may need capital to go ahead and scale. But that first 10 million in sales, you don't need anything. And I don't care what company it is. We have B2B, B2C, B2B2C, and everything in between. Consumer goods, manufacturing, SaaS, fintech, AR, VR, AI, gaming, medical devices, prop tech. You name it, we've got it. I don't care what you say about capital-intensive companies. It's BS. Everybody out there, somebody out there is, it has the skills. Somebody out there has the assets that you need to make it happen that you can work a deal with. Mm -hmm. And you don't That's need money. Yes. So, okay. So if I'm hearing you correctly, then somebody listening to this, they have an idea. Yep. They can get on your platform. They don't need to have something already built. They can come with an idea. We prefer that them not to have something built. Yes. Oh, what are you trying to say, man? 
No, listen to me. Okay, <laughs> we try to say ten to fifteen percent of our companies are legacy companies. Okay, and yeah. then we get them back on course, steer it the right way, and get them past the goal line. All right, but about eighty eighty five percent of our companies are, are really they're startup ideas. I mean, they're literally at the conceptual stage where they just have a concept. And that's yeah. really the way it plays out. I mean, there's no you know rhyme or reason to it. Not more than not one type is more successful than the other. It's nothing like that. But the majority of our companies are really just raw ideas. Yeah, that's awesome. But see, that's what I'm saying. That's now you're giving hope. Yeah. Right. Well, it's not now just you- hope. We give a methodology. We give a process, right. and and we don't charge either. We're not sitting there saying, okay, well, we're we're giving lip service to our own model. We drink our own Kool Aid. We're performance-based equity players also. The only time that we make anything is when you succeed. And really, it's got to be a company that has a monetization event. Like you sell the company, uh, you go ahead and get funding round, uh, you have dividends, something like that, because we're a long-term equity holder. But we only get that equity if you succeed. Otherwise, we right. get nothing. So. Right. Absolutely. And there's um, just to just to share with you, I guess I can give you an update here live on the, on the show. Sure. Um, for people to, to understand, I have been immersed with Chris and Gusher for, I don't know, a couple months now, right? Um, I don't think, I think it's been like three, four weeks, hasn't it? Actually, like you're probably months. right. Yeah. You're probably right. About three, four weeks. Yeah, maybe. And uh, I have, I decided that I was going all in. I was going to be innovative. I was going to do what I needed to do. And um, I am like, literally, Chris, me and this one lady, we are literally just fine, crossing the T's, dotting the I's on the yeah. milestones, right? That's good. Bringing on a wonderful CMO um, in the process of bringing in, bringing on a CTO. I got three yep. good candidates that are, that are making the cut. There you um, go. It's a process. Yeah. As of today, um, got somebody on the biz dev side that's going to be joining most likely. That's so great. If you, again, what you put in, you will get out. If you just do it here, a little bit here, a little bit there, forget about it. Stay on well, the couch. We, we've got a right. saying, Brad, and I know you. I know I've said this to you before, but one plus one equals what on Gusher? One plus one does not equal two. One plus one equals what? Man, I don't remember. I'm Come sorry. Come on, man. Yeah, I know. It's like you're one, a Gusher veteran. All right. I'm I here. suck. I suck. One plus one equals done. What do you mean yes. by that? It, the, the hardest part uh, of putting together a company, of creating a company on Gusher, is the recruiting stage. And mm-hmm. the reason that it's tough is because that right there is where you start solidifying your idea, what you're really saying to people, um, how you resonate with people. Uh, you know, having to be authentic is sometimes hard for people, but the only way to get people on your team is if you're authentic. People, as I said before, that fake it till they make it, they fail miserably. Um, but all it is, is doing what you and I are doing right now. It's, it's just talking to people and seeing that, you know, what, what motivates them and their commonalities. It's not interviewing like for a job. It's really more or less, you know, trying to, to find somebody that you can get married to, but in a business way, because yeah. that's how teams come together. They don't come together, you know, just in a transactional way. They come together because they believe in what a person is doing, what a founder is doing. And that's really how those teams come together. And it takes a little while, but once you get that first one, then stuff starts taking off. Then you get the second, the third, the fourth. Uh, and once you're there, those are the companies that succeed. Yeah, no, they are They are joining you on a mission, right? They're, exactly. It's not, it, they are joining you on the mission. And so you're not... The, the process for finding someone who is in alignment with your mission, who is a believer, will contribute and will be probably, I would venture to say, much better off for your team than someone you bought. Most right. definitely. 
Well, I'm going to give a quick example. Okay, so we had a company. I won't say the company, but the the company. Uh, this this person went ahead and started this company, and he he had a very sick dog. And basically, he went ahead and recruited this team. He made a dog food that basically uh, the vets told him, "Okay, uh, go ahead and put your dog on this dog food, that dog food, everything else." And the dog kept getting sick. He hacked his own dog food over uh, three, four, five, six months. The dog magically came to life. So he wanted to start a dog food company. Now, I don't know if you know anything about dog food companies, but it's an extremely capital intensive industry. You've got huge players in it that dominate the market. There is real money there uh, preventing competition from coming in. And even if competition comes in, usually they're put out pretty damn quickly. They can't get can't get a, a, a toehold in the industry. But he goes ahead and brings on his first team. His first team had managed the, these large budgets, $50 million, $100 million, $200 million budgets. He didn't listen to me. Uh, six weeks later, the company implodes. Okay, It fails miserably. And now his company, he brought on a second team. His second team all had something in common. This is a dog food company. A couple of years later, they're now worth more than $10 million. They have national distribution. They're growing 30% month over month, kicking butt. For three years, it was almost crickets, but now they're kicking butt really seriously. His team all had something in common that the first team did not. Brad, what did the second team all have in common? It's not a trick question. It's a dog food company. Dogs. They all own dogs. Love dogs. They didn't have kids. They were dog parents. They were dog zealots. They ate dog, breathed dog, lived dog, pooped dog. They did everything dog. <laughs> and that's why that company is able to take off because those people were on a mission. And that's the type of companies that come together. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. I can't wait till I can hit you up and say, all right, I've got my core team in place and we are rocking and rolling, man. Just so close. I'm going to keep that, That's when I start, start not getting the calls because then you're off and running. But right. Right. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> talk to yeah, you in a bit. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. I'm curious. What, what's your philosophy on what it takes to build a great team that wins, Chris? You've seen a lot of them. I, I'd love your, your advice on that. I, I think there, first of all, and I've said this to you because I say it to every founder, all right? There's one thing that you always have to ask, and you have to ask almost right off the bat. You have to ask why a person does what they do. Now, if, if I'm asking somebody like a UI UX designer why they do what they do, they're immediately going to tell me, well, you know, I do it because I, I like to make things better. I like to improve things. I like to make the user experience better. That's not what I mean. That's right. not, not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is just like you asked me, you know, a, a certain question. I told you about my, my past, about growing up in Ohio, about dealing with my mom, about dealing with those other founders in Washington, D.C. that I saw. Those are the real reasons why I found a gusher, all right? Mm -hmm. Those are the real pain points of what I dealt with. Well, I want, I want a founder to go deeper with those conversations, just as if you were, were internet dating. And you're not there to go ahead and do the superficial bullshit. You are there to dig deep on why a person does what they do. Why are they motivated? If I'm dealing with a developer, I want to find out, you know, did they start programming when they were 10, 11, 12 years old? You wouldn't believe how many developers do. Uh, if, if I'm dealing yep. with a, a material scientist, I want to know why did they go into material science? Was it accidental? Was it something that they used to screw around with a chemistry set as a kid? You know, what was the reason they did that? You know, and you wouldn't believe the answers that come back, but most of it is childhood oriented. And if you get to that level of really why, why they're doing what they do and you start to get goosebumps, all right, again, goosebumps, mm. you know you're on the right road. 
because those are typically the people that you want on your team. That that's literally it. People that you don't have to necessarily motivate that get what you're doing, that have an ownership mentality. That's right. Yeah. It makes, it makes, it makes all the sense in the world when you put it that way. Um, so Chris, man, it, I can't believe how much we've gotten in, in this short amount of time. I expected it to go <laughs> longer, but there's lots of value packed information here for people. Um, is there anything else before I get to my final question, anything else that you, that you would like the audience to know about your platform gusher? No, I, think of it this way. If you're, if you're a person, not even an entrepreneur, and you've got that idea in your head that you just can't let go of, and you see no path to yeah. making it happen, you see no path. All right. I'm talking like you live in South Africa in the middle of nowhere. We have a founder, an 80-year-old founder that made a company happen. If wow. you live in the middle of Missouri in farmland and you don't have contacts, well, we made college students there, deals that happen. Uh, if you live anywhere, I don't care what your ethnicity is, what your age is, uh, what your religion is, what, what your background is, how much money you have, it, what your socioeconomic status is, it doesn't effing matter. What matters is the idea and you as a person. If you're honest, you can go ahead and get a company operational. That's it. You don't need money at all. You don't need money. You just need to be shown the path. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Money is no longer a roadblock. It's no I never, longer a barrier. I know. I never thought I would actually be saying that. Yep. I never thought that that would be possible. Um, so I, again, once again, I, I got. I just have to thank you, bro, for bringing this to market. And, yeah, and sure. I'm, I am one of you know. They always say you got to get your first thousand fans. You know, you got to get your first thousand fans. I'm one of them in that with with you and your platform. And I am going to be screaming. From You're one of my soon. disciples, Brad. This is the Church uh, of Gusher. <laughs> man, I'm, we're gonna we're gonna rock it, man. We're gonna bring people in. <laughs> Good. I just think it's important. So sure, it Chris, is. It, it really is because of all the reasons we freaking talked about already, man. It's it's no it more barriers. A, it gives a way. It gives a methodology. Right. No matter who you are, where you are what problems you're running into. Um, listen, I, I don't want to candy coat it. Um, this is not easy to do. And any business, whether you have money or not, is not easy to do. Money does not make things easier. Money, if anything, is a barrier. I know that sounds absolutely crazy. The reason I say it is, is because when you have money, what's the first thing that you do with money, Brad? Yeah, you usually spend it. Yeah, exactly. You spend it. When you don't have money, what's the first thing that you do, Brad? You you want it. <laughs> Create it. Okay. You it, yeah. And so the, the type of company, the standard that you set when you don't have money is everything. The type of company that you create from the beginning is one that's going to be generate, uh, generating revenue, one that becomes self-sustaining, uh, one that can go ahead and really just get out there and really see whether or not that product and that company makes sense. And you do it before you have money. And I think that's a, a better place to find out whether or not uh, you have something of value is right at that beginning stage. And the way you know, can you get somebody else on board? Will somebody yeah. come on and join you in your mission? That's yeah. key. Yeah. There there are no more excuses, man. Money's no longer a barrier, a roadblock. Um, and anything you don't know how to do, you can quick you can learn how to do with this thing called the internet. And 90% of the time or more. For free, you can learn how to do it. Well, or not, or do do this. You're one step removed from somebody around the globe 
That's right. an expert at what they do. Ask right. them. Right. You know, just 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 contact them. They know. Yes, hundred percent. All right, Chris. One last question, my man. I ask every every special guest, and I'm curious as to your answer. And so, if you if you could leave the audience with just one thing that they could start doing right now, okay, that would set them on the path to becoming undeniable, what would that one thing be? Listen to your inner voice. No matter how many people are trying to drown it out, including your own, that tiny little voice, the one little voice inside you that says, yes, it can be done, that is so much more powerful than all the negative voices combined. Again, I'm getting freaking goosebumps crazy, and I don't have a point. <laughs> all right? but, but really, I think that's everything, and I think that it's beaten out of us. It, it yeah. is pounded out of us. It is crushed out of us from the time that we're children and growing up. That's almost in a way what growing up means. Go back. Listen to yeah. that voice. Take a chance because yeah. there's no downside. You take that chance. Yes, absolutely. That, thanks for that. I, I hope people will take heed. Chris, my man, how can people connect with you, get started on Gusher? Tell us, um, leave yeah, sure. whatever information for people to, to sync up with you. Sure. You can just go to gusher.co, G-U-S-H-E-R.co. Uh, you can go ahead and reach out to me on Gusher or you can find me anywhere on any social network. I'm pretty easily found. I'm pretty easily connected. Uh, so I'd be happy to help you out in any way, especially founders everywhere. Uh, you have any type of question, you have anything else, I'd be happy to help you. And we'd be yep. happy to help you. Absolutely. And I can, I can attest to that, that um, Chris gets back to you as busy as he is. He always gets back to me. He always helps me out. Hey, Brad, you got time for a video call? Okay, sure. I thought you didn't have time for a video call. Let's do it, right? Five, six always minutes, video. whatever it is. And we do it. And we get the answers and we, we keep moving forward. So Chris, my man, it's been a blast. And I, I really appreciate you being here. I hope it is not the last time you'll be here. You're wow. welcome back anytime. And um, I just really appreciate the heck out of you, man. Thank hey, you so much. It's been an honor and a privilege. Enjoyed being yes, here. sir. Yeah. Well, that is it for this episode. I hope that it brought some authentic value into your life. If you didn't hear any nuggets that were undeniably valuable to you, then something is wrong with you because you clearly were not listening, man. So before you go listen to another episode, yes, I know what, that's what you're going to go do. I know. Pay the toll so we can roll. Now, what does that mean, right? When you drive up to a toll road, what do you do? You pay it first, right, before you get on the road. So do that now with this show because we want what that means is we want you to share the show, leave a nice review. Both of those things help us grow the show so that we can inspire the masses and get more entrepreneurs breaking through roadblocks, breaking through barriers, getting on Gusher, and building freaking teams so they can move and they can win, and we can all win as a result of the value that they will provide. Man, that wasn't on my list, but you were Making doing the world it. a better place. That's what <laughs> yes. we did. Yes. Yes. Because remember, you cannot become undeniable if you are uninformed. And make sure you always bless up, mom. And I'm out.